Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I'm the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I have with us here today, Brian Marshauser. He's the editor of the Cotonalistboro Times and Yorktown News. And I have Tom Oligorski. He's the editor of North Salem News. And he's also the editor of the Somers Record. Welcome to the both of you. And there's some definitely some big news out of Yorktown with kind of a very uh, crazy incident, a racist incident that happened that really is um, kind of the talk of the town and was the subject of some breaking news in Yorktown. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute but, or in a few minutes. But before that, I do want to turn over to Tom. And there's a few items you know, uh, that he'd like to discuss. This is November 11th, 11-11. Today is Veterans Day. This comes out next week. But I know that, you know, I guess we're covering various Veterans Day events. So, uh, you know, Tom, take it away. Um, actually, we have, uh, you know, Veterans Day today. We have uh, events in both of my towns. Uh, just also to anybody listening, uh, you know, to anybody who has served, uh, thank you for your service. Very much appreciated. This uh, North Salem, they're having a Veterans Day ceremony at Town Hall. The guest speaker will be uh, Supervisor Warren Lucas. And um, in Somers, they're have the Somers Lions Club is actually having a parade starting at uh, Somers Middle School, and it's going down to a flag ceremony at Ivendell Cemetery. So we'll have photos from both of those events in both of our papers next week. Herb Geller, what's going on with him? I know he's super, super old. Uh, I know he's a veteran, and I know he's participated in these events in the past. I know the... Um, Guest of honor is the former uh, police chief. Mr. Geller is on my list because I know that he gets uh, he gets coverage every year. So I'm not sure if he's going to be involved in today, but I will I will find out about that. All right, great. Uh, the uh, tentative budgets for both towns have been released. Uh, we're still working. Uh, we just got the numbers for North Salem, but we will have a, a report on that in next week's issue. But for Somers, there was actually a um, a zero percent tax increase, which is good for the taxpayers and everything. And actually, the um, home taxes um, I, I just checked on that. So the evaluation of the homes it's slightly slightly less than it was last year, but taxes did not go up. So everybody should be happy. So the home valuations are down. Yeah, down like ever so slightly. It's almost a negligible difference. I'm shocked by that just because of, I mean, I know there's some correlation between the real estate market and home valuation. So so I am surprised by that. Interesting. So I guess people's taxes will go down slightly, I guess. You, you were saying earlier that the tax rate has gone down. The current tax rate is $15.13 per $1,000 of assessed valuation, and that's going to drop to $15.05. Interesting. Okay, great. So, well, they said, you know, hey, listen, tax is down, it's tax is down. So everybody should be happy. Absolutely. And don't forget, this is also, this is municipal taxes. So obviously, I think the smallest portion of a person's property taxes, everyone still has to pay attention to the county taxes and the school taxes as well. And um, I guess there's some sports news that you wanted to raise as well. Yeah, actually, uh, this weekend is a big weekend for uh, sports in both of my towns. We actually have in North Salem, we have the uh, field hockey team is in the state final four. They'll be taking on Hoosick Falls this weekend. So uh, good luck to the Tigers. And in Somers, I have a pair of teams still going. I have uh, boys soccer is also in the uh, state final four. They are taking on Williamsville South this weekend. The uh, Somers football team is in the section championships. They're taking on Rye on uh, Friday night. 
So we'll have, report, we'll have reports and photographs of all those games. Good luck to all the teams. Great. Then I'll be out in the uh, November 18th issue, which is the podcast comes out next week on the, the week of the 15th. So um, we will know the results by the time you listen to this. Definitely look in uh, the local paper for the results. Yeah. And the uh, last story I wanted to touch on was just a nice little feel-good story from Somers. This took place back in May, but there was a little follow-up to it. There was actually a uh, woman in Somers who was pregnant, and she went into labor in the middle of the night. And basically, you know, before they could even get out the door to go to the hospital, her water broke and the baby was coming. So there was uh, members from uh, Westchester Emergency Services responded and a local state trooper, and they actually had to deliver the baby at home in Somers. Everything was fine. Baby and mother were both okay. And they actually just had a reunion at the Somers Firehouse where they actually, the kid got to meet everybody who helped deliver him. So nice little feel good story from our town there. I'm sure it's probably somewhat more common maybe than we realized. I mean, I guess not everyone can make it to a hospital on time. Both my kids were born a a C-section. So, you know, that had to be a surgery, but you know, many kids are just kind of born, I guess, naturally at home like that as well. I, I know actually some mothers actually prepared to give birth at home as well. I have a a nephew and two nieces and my nephew was born first and my sister-in-law was in labor for like 17 hours or something ridiculous. Then when my niece came, she made it to the hospital, but did not even make it into the room. And then when my last niece was born, actually, she was also born at home. It just happened incredibly fast. So yeah, that does happen from time to time. Yeah. Meanwhile, with my kids, it was like agonizing just to wait, you know, and then we actually changed our son's middle name last minute, you know, so just like, it could be definitely the wait could be agonizing, certainly more agonizing for the woman than for the man, but <laughs> nevertheless. Uh, you saw some, color, some colorful language directed at you. Well, actually, frankly, there's something nice about the C-section because you know, it was before the labor got really crazy. My wife got the epidural, so she couldn't feel a thing. And what's kind of neat about the C-section as well is I actually was the first person to meet the baby both times. I mean, well, besides the doctor, the doctor takes out the baby. They hand the baby basically right to the father, which is kind of cool. So I got to meet my children right away. I'll never forget that, but that's kind of a cool story in Somers. That's awesome that they're yeah, having it's a nice little follow-up too, especially yeah. you know that it happened so fast. I think the response time they were on scene within like five minutes, which wow. is also then you know testament to the emergency services around here. So absolutely, absolutely. We'll turn to Brian and and a story that came out of Yorktown. And Brian, actually, if you can kind of walk us through the steps, because I do think yeah. that's an interesting well, aspect of the story as well. I think before I jump into that, I do just want to talk to our other stories a bit because i think it'll sure. be hard to transition into anything else after of course of course it. of course um so yeah i know when it comes to sports my towns don't have quite the team success that uh tom's had in somers um in north salem but max goodman a, a cross-country runner for john jay he finished third in the state qualifiers he's running states um he'll have run states by the time you listen to this but he believes himself. He says he's going for number one. He wants to be the top runner in the state. That's awesome. Uh, and he, I think he's, got, you know, it's actually kind of staggering. Um, I think he runs these 5Ks in like 16 minutes and stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. It, it's unbelievable. I'm out of breath thinking about it. But yeah, and, these kids make me feel very, very lazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, there's another swimmer from Lakeland Panis, Delaney Leonard. She uh, finished first sections and she's moving on to uh, states. She'll compete in the state championships at Ithaca College on November 19th and 20th. Now uh, for swimming, I don't know. Are they sprints? Or are they uh, wh- different events? You know, it's different. It's, it's okay. like the Olympics. You watch the yeah. Olympics. They do the fifty, the hundred, the two hundred, the four hundred. You know, free. Uh, they have medleys and things. Yeah. Like that. Her particular event was a fifty-yard freestyle. Freestyle swimming just means how you and I would swim. It's the fastest way to swim. You know, two hands, one after the other. 
just like running. So she did her 50-yard freestyle in 23.8 seconds, which was the best in the section. My go-to stroke is the breaststroke, because I find it really? to be the easiest. Yeah, just just sort of the easiest, kind of more most relaxing stroke. My wife know. was a uh, swimmer. I think she did the breaststroke. Yeah. You know, uh, for Yorktown High School. So shout cool. out to Yorktown High School. Awesome. Um, that was it for sports. It was actually kind of a um, down season for the uh, Yorktown and, and John Jay football teams. Normally, they're right there going toe-to-toe with Somers. I mean, Somers is, make no doubt about the class of the section, but Yorktown and John Jay are always kind of battling with them. But they both had down years. I think they went five and four, each of them. That's that for sports towns. And then just another cool story out of Katona. This is why I love watching planning board meetings. You get such great stories that you find out about developments before they happen. You know, it, a developer came, they've already been approved for a restaurant. It's the old firehouse building on Katona Avenue. So they're going to repurpose that old firehouse building. And it's got this cool, distinct look. And it literally says old firehouse building on, on the front. So they're going to put in these glass doors that are going to like uh, garage door. You know how firehouses have garage doors for the fire trucks. They're going to make them glass and they can serve as windows when you're in the restaurant. But on nice summer days, you can pop them open and, you know, they even serve as like kind of awnings in their canopies in that sense. Oh, that's cool. Kind of uh, turn it into like an open air design when the weather. Yeah. Goes. Yeah. And then they just came back to the planning board in Bedford a couple of weeks ago. Now they want to do a rooftop lounge. And I think that's kind of cool. And it's funny because the planning board actually had to reject the application, but it did not reflect their fondness for it. They, they rejected it because it did not comply with zoning in the sense that Parking is a little difficult there. So the zoning board last time around when they did the restaurant use said, you need 21 spaces, but you only have nine on site. So they reached an agreement where they, they were going to acquire 12 spaces from a municipal lot mm. and, and a nearby. So now that they're adding, kind of doubling the capacity with the rooftop lounge, they actually have to go find more spaces. So the Bedford Planning Board chair thinks it's a little antiquated in the sense that there actually is a, just a lot of municipal parking. And the rooftop lounges hours would be kind of, they, it would be on weekends, really, and after 5 p.m. on weekdays. So they think that, you know, the commuter traffic and the, and the rooftop lounge traffic would not overlap. So there would have to be plenty of municipal parking if people were just willing to walk a few blocks, which a lot of people aren't. But um. <laughs> it's interesting. I th- if I remember correctly, uh, I know uh, this was sort of the topic of conversation when we had the debate with the Republicans, where they talked a little bit about, you know, maybe updating some codes, uh, right, you know, right. to, to, to encourage businesses. Yeah, because I think even Katona has, or Bedford, I should say, has, I think these places aren't allowed to stay open past like eight o'clock. Wow. Rest, restaurants, yeah. So I know the planning board chair was like, we need to fix that. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> that's very outdated. Especially uh, in a non-residential area. or well, it, is, it is a residential area. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Katona yeah. Avenue. Yeah, there, there are yeah. homes that right on Bedford Road. Yeah, uh, right, right, beautiful right. area. Such a it beautiful is. area. It, it is. I've taken a lot of people to Stone Avenue and they, everyone falls in love with it instantly because it has such a charm. And I think they're very protective over that charm. Yeah. But I think they're on the right track with this application. It's going to go to the zoning board now. So the zoning board's going to have to figure out the parking. And then I think but the planning board has no issue with it. They're all on board. They love it. So look out for that. So now, Brett, we can transition. If you all right, actually, just going back to that real quick. I mean, one other thing I, mean, I think a town needs to realize I think some things happen organically. They don't happen right, right. because of laws. And so like, I don't think a town of Bedford is ever going to, you know, the downtown Katona, I don't think it's ever going to become like this rowdy area because all of a sudden, you know, a restaurant stays open till 10, you know? So <laughs> I know. Yeah. I think most people in- instinctively know that it's one of the things the pandemic gave us was beer being delivered to homes, which I loved. 
You could actually just deliver beer. And, and guess what? You know what? Our society didn't collapse. We all did pretty well with it. And, and for some reason, now that it's over, they've stopped that again. Not over, but you know, the state doesn't allow that anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I live in Connecticut. I do Instacart, which I absolutely love because, you know, the groceries come in two hours. It's crazy. But I've never tried having beer delivered. Yeah, I, I did it once from Captain Lawrence. They were... um They've since opened in Mount Kisco, but you know, I, I didn't didn't feel like traveling, and you know, I just said, hey, you know, I, I want to stock up for the pandemic. <laughs> that's great. No, that's good. Um, so, so, yeah, your town. I mean, basically, I thought the whole process of how we sure. got to where we got to was kind of an interesting thing that our listeners will find interesting. Yeah, the process basically started. I um, value my weekends. You know, I was having a lovely Sunday watching Saturday Night Live with my wife. And, um, you know, I'm checking my email intermittently as I do on the weekend. And in there was a letter to the editor from a Yorktown newsreader. And that reader basically alerted us to this and said, you know, at, if you go on the Yorktown Republican page at 255 into this video, and I want to say page, the Facebook page, if they have a video from election night on there and at the 255 mark, person in the crowd can be heard saying this. And I'll say what it is one time without saying it. So basically, for some context, Vishnu Patel, who's been on the town board for 12 years, he's an Indian American, retired IBM scientist, father of two West Point graduates, probably more American than me or you in that sense. So he was defeated in his reelection bid. The Republicans swept and the Republicans were celebrating at their headquarters. And, you know, Kevin Burns, the chair of the Republican committee, introduces the winning candidates from that night. And as one of those winning candidates is speaking, you can hear somebody in the crowd saying, Vishnu's gone, gone, that motherfucker, that fucking sand N-word. And if you're not familiar with that term, it's a slur, an ethnic slur for people of Middle Eastern descent. So it's not even really the correct slur, but that's what this person decided to call Vishnu Patel very clearly on tape. And I will say that I actually did watch that video on election night. And it never, I didn't hear it because I was listening mm. to what the candidates had to say. I was like kind of transcribing what they were saying and it just didn't register for me. I think other people said the same thing. I can't imagine the Republicans would have left that video up, but we'll get to that. So basically, after I got this email, I went back, went to 255 in the video, played it on my phone and said, oh my God, it's yes, it's there. And you had me listen to it too, Brian, and I, it was clear as a bell. Yeah, I had a few people listen to it. I called a few people and said, hey, can you play this? And somebody said to me, I would testify in a court of law that that's what they said. Uh, as, as would I. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I first had to plan a course of action. The first thing I did was save the video because I knew as soon as I started my reporting, it would come down. And really, the video is crucial. I use this analogy. It's a few years back, Ray Rice was running back for the Baltimore Ravens. He got suspended for four games because he punched his wife. But when the video came out, he was suspended for the year and he was released and never played again, pretty much. Because yeah. the video is really the compelling thing. You're like, well, you once can... you actually see the evidence of it, it makes it right, that right. much. You're like, yeah, yeah. Even though just seeing the words on screen, you'd be like, oh, you know, how bad was it? Blah, blah, blah. Then you see the video and you hear it. You, it takes your breath away a little bit. The way he says it is just filled with such anger toward this person that it's just like, I've listened to it now like 50 times. And, I and when we say he, we, we've since learned it's Tom Pompasello. Right. So, okay, I'll go back a little bit. I reached out to Kevin Burns, the chair of the Yorktown GOP. That was my first message. And I basically said, you know, 
I try not to ask leading questions. So, you know, I said, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Do you condemn it? And will you make an effort to find out who this person was and what will happen to them? I posed the same question to Supervisor Messlater. He is kind of the de facto head of the Republican Party over there. I thought those were the first two people I had to reach out to and Vishnu as well, who I did speak with the next day. And I'll get to that. So, you know, I got my statements from the Republicans. Obviously, they were disgusted. I think they said what you'd expect them to say. They were horrified, disgusted, appalled. They were going to find out who this person was and hold them accountable. And, and meanwhile, you kind of knew who it was. You just weren't 100% sure. Whenever I get a new reporter and they cover a town board meeting, they're like, Brian, who can you identify this person? And I go, what did he look like? Did he have glasses? Did he, what was he wearing? I go, oh, that's, you know, that's Dan. But I, because I, I've been covering these town board meetings for so long, I, I know the players, I know the people who are active in the community. So it took me until about the third time around that I go, ah, that's Tom Papasello. And I just knew it. I knew it. I couldn't put it in my story because I wasn't 100% sure and I need to be 100%, but I knew it. And I think the Republicans did too. I think he's, if you don't know Tom Pompicello, he's like 6'3 or 6'2, whatever. He's bald. And I don't say that pejoratively. I mean, he's got a big, he's got a very bald head. Like You better not be saying that pejoratively. <laughs> what are you no. saying about bald guys? <laughs> you know, it, he's hard to miss. I just knew it immediately that that was him. And probably also knew it because of the fact that, you know, he kind of is a little non-PC. Didn't necessarily surprise me that he was the person. So I forget where I am in the process, but I, so I basically reached out to them, got their statements. And then I got a statement from the Democrats. I spoke to Vishnu Patel and, you know, in, in my phone call with me, I could tell he was kind of reluctant to, you know, go after the Republicans too much. I don't think he loves the controversy like that, but then he did provide a statement with to me, you know, saying basically how telling it was that this person felt comfortable saying that in the room. He did finish his statement saying that he's hopeful that a new generation of Republicans will, this behavior will not continue. So that was that statement. So then I got my story up, you know, the next morning. I didn't wait for publication. I said, this is just something people ought to know. And I think when you have something like that, you don't wait, you don't time it. You just say, here it is. And I could have published it Sunday night. Part of me didn't want to bury it though. So in that sense, I was timing it. Because if I posted it on like a Sunday night, I almost felt like it would have been like a Sunday news dump. Like, I don't think it, people would have missed it, but I wanted to let people know about it. So Monday morning, great time to publish it. And then we were off. And I think once that happened, and it was probably three hours after my story had been posted, it had really made the rounds. I get a call. And I see my phone ring when I'm working on deadline with KLT, Katona Lisboa Times, and it's Tom Pompasello. He's in my phone. He's a contact. He's a person I've spoken to in the past. He's the head of the Feast of San Gennaro in Yorktown. So he calls me up. I pick up. I just said, hey, Tom. I knew what he was going to say. And he says the first words out of his mouth were, Brian, it was me. And Do you think he was told to call you and say that? The most recent GOP statement, and I'll get that for you, I kind of want to we're probably spending too much time on the process, but in the um, most recent statement, it says, let's see, it was quickly determined that the person who made the comments was district leader, Tom Pompasello. So Tom Pompasello is a district leader for the Yorktown Republican Town Committee. Then says, Mr. Pompasello was informed that these comments were unacceptable and inexcusable. Mr. Pompasello was asked for his resignation from the Yorktown Town Committee and he complied. So their statements makes it seem like they identified him they told him that these statements were bad and they asked for his resignation. Yeah. It didn't sound like that when I spoke to Tom. So I kind of have to kind of nail down a little bit more. But it sounded like Tom said he just gotten off the phone with his son, the one who informed him of the video circulating. 
And his son was like, dad, is this you? Because if I knew, his son knew. Tom, basically, to his credit, he admitted it. What he said was appalling. Make no mistake. But I was certain that he was going to deny and or double down or I don't know. And, and he was contrite to you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he is a very good apologizer or I don't know if he was legitimately sorry or legitimately contrite. I know people who are good at making mistakes and good at apologizing. But yes, he did sound contrite. He, One thing he kept coming back to, and he said it multiple times, said, I'm not trying to make excuses. I do not remember saying it. And he threw out a bunch of excuses, said, no, I, no I'm not a drinker. I've been drinking champagne that night. No, I've had concussions. I'm on medication, X, Y, and Z. And he goes, I don't remember saying it. And there are some people who called us a GOP apologist for even including that, saying that he, he drank that night, making it sound like we were making excuses for him. Obviously, I counter that we're just doing our job and sharing what he told us. And it's up to you to decide whether you yeah. believe him or not. Yeah, you're just, you're just providing all the facts that you have. So yeah, so that, that's basically his story. Obviously, from my perspective, if you drink and then say something racist, you're probably a little racist. I think if anything, I mean, if, if you're on medication or drinking and something comes out of your mouth that you don't typically say, it's probably something that you think, you know, so, you know, Veritas kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's in, it's in the same. Yeah. I mean, the term, which I had never not familiar with, was something that was in his repertoire, it's in his vocabulary. And it came out and it's not like he made an off color joke. He said it with a little disdain and hatred. He said he was gone, that motherfucker. He's gone. Yeah. Like, it was not a joke. It was more hate than anything. So whether people eventually forgive him, I don't know. That's not up to me. That he is gone from the town committee, the Republican town. Do we think there's going to be a Feast of San Gennaro? So that's a good question. So this is probably like a little inside baseball. But so the Feast of San Gennaro is a five-day festival held in Yorktown every year. And Tom Pompicello's organization, CCM of Westchester, it's a nonprofit organization, is the one that puts it on. What does that stand for? I have no clue what CCM of Westchester stands for, to okay. be honest with you. He runs it with another guy. Um, I don't actually don't know his name, but yeah, it started about five years ago. So the town helps them put it on. The town shuts down their roads for this for five days. They enlist the help of the highway department. They enlist the help of police over the police for overtime. They have why back on standby, the Volunteer Ambulance Corps. So this does take some town resources to put on. And I know at the end, it does cost the town some money. So I, the town, I think, is well within their right to not do business with him. You know, it's not like this is being held at a private business, town resources. So I think they're well within their right to say, you know, either CCM of Westchester, get rid of Tom Pompicello, you know, or I think that's interesting to see. I, I don't think the festival is going anywhere because that's, you know, in some ways, that would be punishing the people who enjoy the fest mm. for something that he said, which doesn't really make sense to me. But I think if, you know, I think the town's well within their right to say, maybe we don't do the fest unless Tom's not associated. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to do that yet. I know that there is a petition circulating asking for that right now. It's online. It has a couple hundred signatures or close to that. But yeah, that's where we stand right now. So basically, the story, not surprisingly, has been picked up nationally. And it's always good and bad when that happens. It's Picked up nationally. And um, I know the Journal News had it, which is regional. So Where else? There's, uh, I think, a Ross story. Yep. Which is, I think it's more of a liberal or left side okay. leaning publication. I think, you know, they have like 250,000 followers on Twitter is what I saw. I'm not familiar with them. But they shared our story. Uh, George Takai shared the story. 
So you don't you know George Takai of Star Trek fame. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, so, you well, know, that, now Takai is involved. I, I'm, Google, I'm Googling that right now. George, so to, It's on his Facebook page. So George Takai, is, he's played Sulu on Star Trek back okay. in the day, you know, William Shatner. And uh, he's become a um, very big voice for the left. And he shares a lot of memes and stories and stuff on his Facebook page. So he shared this one of the aggregators that picked up our story. He shared their story. Unfortunately, I wish he shared tap into Yorktown, but he shared their story. Okay. So it's getting a lot of eyeballs. And I know NBC News, I think just interviewed Vishnu Patel. I think Yahoo picked up Lohud's version of the story. Good and bad when that happens. You wish your town would go viral for different reasons. Of course. Um, it never goes viral for the right reasons. I think, you know, yeah. every time Mayapak goes viral, it's because, oh, you know, these basketball players said something racist. Uh, it's always stuff like that. Yeah. And it's kind of a bummer, but it's understandable, of course. No, you know, an Eagle Scout's not going to go viral. Well, maybe, but um, <laughs> I think one of the most recent viral stories we had was a uh, Yorktown contestant on Wheel of Fortune. He was an incredible contestant. So I like when those type of stories go viral, but this is kind of a bummer. I mean, it's, it's the type of story that I didn't, I don't love writing these type of stories. It's unfortunate. Um, it's just kind of a bummer all around, but it's necessary reporting. I had to report it. I, I never once questioned whether I should report it. As you and I have talked, you know, and I, I wrote the column this week that I am a conservative. And I, of course, I'm appalled. I mean, I'm appalled by racism and, and hatred. I'm appalled by it. But I really called the Republicans a task for it because I do wonder, you know, if they were aware that Pompasello speaks like this on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So I, I am curious about that. But I'm also upset because, you know, I do think there are very honest people who have expressed concern disdain for critical race theory, diversity, equity, and inclusion policies that I think are very, you know, liberal left-wing policies. And when the Republican Party is fighting that, they're fighting it by saying, you know, we want a colorblind society. Well, you know, how do you say that you want a colorblind society when you have a district leader of your party saying racist comments like that? Right. A common refrain I've heard from people critical of the Republicans in Yorktown is that Pompasello felt comfortable in that room saying mm. the slur, meaning mm -hmm. that he felt it was a safe place for his racism. Mm -hmm. And in some respects, that's unfair, but in some respects, it's fair. It's unfair in the sense that Matt Slater and Kevin Burns, they're good people. And I don't think they have these tendencies in them. But Clearly. I mean, I mean, I, look, I follow Matt Slater. I'm friends with Matt Slater on Facebook. And, you know, he, he's always touting Bobby Kennedy. And yeah. it's fair in the sense that if they knew he talked like this and did nothing and they just kind of let it go when he said that, you know, I only posted the clip, but I did watch the whole video when he said that he was saying it to someone and that person didn't go, whoa, man, like. And the fact that he doesn't remember it in some respects probably means he might say it more often than we think. Yeah. It doesn't register as uh, unique in his mind to say something so horrible. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, I think they're going to be walking on eggshells for quite a while. And that's not a bad thing. Maybe in the sense that to have people just being thinking of the words they say, being more cognizant of what they put out in the world is not a bad thing. Also, maybe cleaning house and, and not associating, I mean, not associating yourself. And look, on the national level, I think there's a lot of anti-Semites on the Democrat Party. But, you know, we're talking about your town and clearly a, a racist felt comfortable in the Yorktown Republican Party. And that's a problem. Like I said, 99% of people are going to say this is terrible and awful and agree with us. And, and you know, I, 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 the, the thing that there will be some people who just will defend anything because it's their party being painted in a bad light and will 
just kind of dig in and say like, you know, you know, cancel culture and stuff like that. And I think most people are pretty much in agreement here. And yep. the Republicans, to their credit, acted swiftly. And before I drop the subject, again, I do hate coming off like a GOP apologist. But when these stories go national, I had to correct Vishnu's. When Vishnu sent a statement to us, he said in his statement that the crowd was cheering the response to these words. Which That's is not true. Not true. The crowd was cheering what Luciana Howitt was saying at the front of the room. She's the candidate who won election. They were not applauding or cheering his racist statement. Nor did the candidates. I'm fairly after having listened to the video. There's no way the candidates heard Pompasello say that either, because he was in the back of the room, kind of said it under his breath a little bit. I don't know if under his breath is an accurate description, but he didn't shout it. Let me put it that way. Right. Right. Um, So I mean, there's always a little semantics. Like if somebody says me a quote saying he shouted it, I mean. We have the video. People can watch the video. But I think when like, I just do want to correct them that the room was not cheering the statement. And also, I do feel a little bad for Slater in some respect because Yahoo published their story and they used his face. As no. A lead photo. Oh, yeah. no, that's terrible. So it's, you know, GOP, someone resigns and they use his face. And oh, like, you know, no. yeah, that's that's. <laughs> I I, I just I do wish national news was a little more responsible sometimes when they do these stories on our small towns. I I know I take pride in it because it's my town and I report on it. But I just I I just wish they would get the facts straight because trust me, they look bad enough without doing stuff like that. But again, not a GOP apologist. I'm just a you know advocate for the truth here, and I think you know and, and fairness. And I think that putting Matt's face on a story like that is a little unfair. That's awful. And we have Bob Dumas. Want to uh, say a little bit what's going on in, in uh, the town of Carmel and in Mayapak? That'd be fantastic. Sure. We got some uh, interesting thing. In Putnam County, the uh, Department of Health has announced that it is beginning to send up clinics to vaccinate children between the ages of 5 and 11, which is crucial to the school district, which has been experiencing some clusters of positive cases. Uh, They haven't had to shut things down yet, but the district is excited that this is going to be up and running over the next couple of weeks throughout the county to get this uh, particular demographic vaccinated. So that's good news. Do you think a lot of parents are going to comply? I mean, I will tell you, my son is seven and we are not running to get him vaccinated. That's a good question. I think it's probably about 50-50. But the school district attitude is every little bit will help. I also have a cousin who is a cardiologist, definitely a smart guy. I forget his medical school, but it was a very, you know, one of the top medical schools in the nation, I'm sure, because, you know, I know he's a brilliant guy and I know he's not rushing out to get his son vaccinated. Yeah. The health department is coordinating this all with local pediatricians. Interesting. They're working hand in hand with them. So I think most of the medical community is on board with this both locally and nationwide. Now, whether parents want to step up or not, you know, it's their choice. The school isn't making them at this juncture. Whether that'll change at the state level remains to be seen. But yeah, that program is up. So we'll have that story. And the other interesting thing, well, it's kind of semi-interesting to me anyway, is Stretcher Road, Route 6N, which is also known as South Lake Boulevard, that runs right through the center of the Mayapak School District and then winds down towards Baldwin Place where the 
high school is located. The area from Clark Street, which is right across from Kobu Restaurant, on down to Baldwin Place Road, is a very windy stretch of road as it goes around the lake there. And um, apparently, since the beginning in time, and especially in recent days as traffic has increased, the idea of tractor trailers coming through there has been problematic. There's been a lot of complaints from both businesses and residents, and there's been a lot of near misses. And the county is recommending to the town that they change the weight limit from that stretch of road from Clark to Baldwin Place that will keep the big 18-wheelers off of there and make them take a different road, take Route 6 to wherever they're going instead of the shortcut through 6N. So what the town has to do is then, after the recommendation from the county, the town has to turn around and ask the state DOT to do it. It's ultimately up to the state to do it. And so if that happens, it'll make uh, the people who live in that stretch road a lot happier. And I've driven that road a hundred times and I can see the problem. Whenever an 18-wheeler goes by you there, you kind of hold your breath and clinch your steering wheel, you know, because it's a tight fit. So that's what's going on there. We got a couple of other, there was a bad car accident on I-84 a couple of days ago in Danbury, but it put a Mayapak woman in serious critical condition. I saw that. It's tragic. It's sad. Yeah. 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 She's in the hospital right now. I hear about basically horrible accidents on 84, almost like, seems like every few days. I live five minutes off of 84 and I'll tell you, it's just, you never can predict it used to be such an easy road to drive because it's pretty much a straight shot. You know, there's not yeah. a, a lot of hills or curves, but I guess in the last few years, it's just gotten so overcrowded. And that's what happened with this particular accident. It was, they were headed westbound towards New York, like leaving Danbury. Yep. And it was a four car accident where they had to slow down for traffic and one car didn't. So they all rear ended each other. And the car with the woman that got hurt kind of flipped and went over down the embankment. The other problem in the area, and I don't know if you and I had this conversation at some point previously, there's some conversation I had where it's apparently not safe. The highways are not supposed to be designed where you have left exits. And also there's an exit around the Danbury area that exits onto the left lane of 84, you know, that's always a little haphazard because, you know, why would you have people exit onto the fast lane? I'm sure that kind of contributes a little bit to the safety issues on 84. The yeah, area. but in this case, this is one of those things where everybody's tight going bumper to bumper, you know, and yeah. this car at the head of the line didn't stop and the ones directly behind it didn't stop quickly enough because they were probably following too closely. I'm just guessing, but because it right, seemed like yeah. a chain, re- chain reaction kind of situation, yeah. according to the Connecticut State Police report. So yeah. so in a nutshell, that's Mayapak this week. We got, of course, today's Veterans Day and there's a parade and ceremony going on pretty much as we speak right now that we'll have full coverage and photos of everything that's going on by the BFW this great. morning. Great, great. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, All right. I, I hope you have a great week. All right. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Brett. I appreciate it.